Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. I am looking forward to watching Top Gun. I don't know if some of you saw that, the original, and that will date me, but I loved that movie. Uh, I appreciate Tom Cruise as far as an actor and the skills that he has. And what I really like about Tom Cruise is I believe in this movie, Top Gun, he literally fulfills his name. He's Maverick. He's one of these guys that can go it alone. He's one of these guys that really doesn't care what other people think about him. He knows what he wants to do, and he gets out there, and he gets it done. I, I, I think that's pretty cool. And not only that, but he kind of, now I'm going to really date myself, he kind of reminds me of the Lone Ranger. I mean, even the, just think of those two names, Maverick and Lone Ranger. They kind of have this idea of someone who is so confident in what they are about in life, what they stand for, what their values are, what their beliefs are, that they are willing to be alone, to be that rock that won't shift. So that, to me, is something that I value. But it's not always something that is part of my life. I do care about what other people think. I do want to know and consider what other people's ideas and values, and often I find myself, full disclosure, somewhat hedging. Maybe I won't say something as strong as I could because I don't want to offend. It can have positives and negatives. But sometime when it comes to our core beliefs, if we state those, we can find ourselves very much alone. And this can happen in particular when it comes to religious or Christian beliefs. And it really becomes prevalent when it comes to a belief in God. Have you ever, do you recall being asked, do you believe in God? Do you believe that God is a personal God, that God cares about you, that God is a part of your life? Now, you know the answer. The answer is that you're supposed to give is yes. And by saying that, you alleviate all sorts of possible problems down the line. But what if you have doubts? What if you're not sure about how involved God is in our world? What if your ideas about God no longer match the majority? So what is the majority view? The majority of view can be encapsulated in one word called theism. The word theism appeared in the 1700s, but the idea that it tries to capture has been in existence 
since early Judaism. Theism has this idea that God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, God is everywhere present, and God is active in our lives. Now, there's two in particular ideas that are captured in theism, the dominant view of God within Christianity and in some other religions. But the two that really stand out for me are, number one, that God intervenes in our life, and number two, God is a personal God and wants a personal relationship with you. So the first one, God intervenes in our world. The idea is that God, because God created our world, God is the one who set it in place, God is the one who made everything within it, then God can intervene. God has oversight over the whole world. And there may be times where God feels it is right to step in, to make a wrong situation right, to bring about God's will in the earth. So that's that first idea, that God intervenes. God is not only in heaven a transcendent God, but God is imminent in a part of our daily lives. The second idea is that God is a personal being, and that God desires to have a personal relationship with you and with every single individual. Think about that. Every single individual on this planet, God desires to have a personal relationship with. And because of that, God is willing to disclose God's self to us. The theological term that we often use is called revelation. God reveals to humanity God's will. If you have a question about something, God will tell you. If you want to know God's will, seek God and you will find an answer. In Christianity, the dominant way that we seek God is through prayer. This idea of God interacting with us and being a vital part of our lives is prevalent in our society today. If you look at the slides above, there's three slides that I want you to pay attention to. The first one says the following. The percentage who believe that God determines what happens to them. So, what is going to happen to you today? God is a part of that. God is a part of who gets to live and who gets to die. But notice how people responded. God determines what happens to them all the time, 27%. Most of the time, 21%. So almost 50% of the respondents to this Pew Research survey believe that God determines what will happen in their lives. And then there's the Mavericks. It's that 18% who say, well, yeah, some of the time. The second slide even captures and takes this idea further that God is a personal God and wants to be a part of our lives. Notice, 
the percentage who believe that God or a higher power, number one, has protected them. 77% believe that God has protected them. Next one. Percentage of people who believe that God or a higher power has rewarded them. 67%. So if you do something good, God blesses you. You need a new job? You need tires for your car? Pray to God? God might give it to you. That would go under this sense of God is rewarding them. What I find fascinating, however, is this next line. The percentage of people who believe that God or a higher power has punished them, 40%. Why isn't that as high as the 77%? This idea that God blesses us, that God loves us, God shows compassion for us, God cares for us, oh, we can get behind that one. But when it comes to God as actually being a punishing God, that number almost drops by half. Which automatically to me says that God and how we view God is prejudice by what we think. This next and last slide to me is really interesting. The percentage of individuals who believe in God as described in the Bible, 56%. Just a little over half. Think about that. 56%. That means that half of you believe in the God that you find in the Bible, and the other half, I don't know why I chose you versus you, <laughs> but, but the other half, what do they believe about God? If half of the respondents believe that God is the God we find in the Bible, what about everyone else? What do they believe? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. About 15, 20 years ago, I found myself as one of those individuals who did not fit in with the 56%. When I read the Bible, and I have read and reread the Bible many a times, there were things about God that I wanted nothing to do with. The text that was read for us this morning, Psalm 145, I struggle with it. I'm with the 40% who doesn't like the idea that God punishes people. So what, what are my options? Well, I think to discover my options, I first have to discover why it is that I don't believe in what the majority of people believe about God. Now, I'm going to share that with you. Please understand, I may be wrong. This is just my informed opinion. 
this is my idea. This is where I ended up settling when it came to God. And those two main ideas about theism, the idea that God intervenes in our world and that God is a personal God, I found over time in my life to be something that I could no longer hold. Now, if you hold those, I'm not going to try to change your mind. But I hope that you will respect those who cannot believe what you believe. And that is the beauty of Church of the Beatitudes. So, here we go. The idea that God intervenes in our world. That was an idea that I embraced wholeheartedly growing up. I believed that the reason why I was in this world was that God had a special purpose for me. I was taught that at a very young age, that God had a purpose for me. I believed in the power of prayer. And so when I would pray for things, sometimes I got them, sometimes I didn't. But as troubling as that was initially, I got kind of the idea of how to handle that. You see, there are three answers to prayer. Number one, Yes, here you go. Number two, no. Or not now. Or number three, yeah. And when God went, eh, I was told that what I was supposed to do is have faith that God knew best. Well, that worked really well when it came to what I considered to be the minor things about life. But it didn't work as well when it came to areas of my life and the life of those that I knew when something significant happened. I had a cousin, second cousin, who at the age of 10 died of a brain cancer. My, his parents, my first cousins, they prayed and prayed to God that God would heal their son. Their son didn't deserve this, but their son died. Some people would say that the way around that is to say that God knew that that 10-year-old had fulfilled his purpose here on earth and called him home. Others would say that, and maybe you've heard this one, that God needed him. I really found it difficult 
to believe in a God who intervenes in our world. When he would get someone a job, when he would find someone a spouse, help people buy a house, and yet, when it came to my 10-year-old cousin, when it came to kids who are starving, literally starving in our world, when it came to soldiers in Ukraine, both Ukrainians and Russians, prayers, I am certain that there were people who prayed for their relatives who were out at war. And those prayers went unanswered. So one of the reasons why I struggled with the idea that God intervenes in our world is because it appeared to me that this God was very fickle. It seemed to me that this God was very interested in answering individual prayers but when it came to the bigger issues of our world, God seemed to kind of like, eh. So that is why I could no longer maintain the idea that God intervenes in our world. Now, if, if I'm wrong, and after I die, I end up before God, and God says, Tony, you got that wrong. I'll go, okay, I'll change my mind. But just being honest to myself, I could not hold that idea of a God. The other one that I have struggled with is this idea that God is a personal God and God wants a personal relationship with me. I, growing up, so wanted to believe that. I mean, I really, really wanted to believe it. I heard other people talk about God almost as if he was this parent or a lover. And they loved God. And they, wanted, they had this relationship with God. And there were songs in the hymnal that talked about that. And when I would sing them, I would sing them with gusto because I wanted it to be true in my life. And here is one of those songs. Jesus, 
one of the songs that I wanted to be so real in my life. And as much as I tried, as much as I prayed, as much as I read my Bible, because that's how they say you have a relationship with God. As much as I did that, I couldn't get there. I've never been good at long-distance relationships. When I have a relationship with someone, I want that interpersonal relationship. And the only way that I know how is by pulling upon my major five senses. I want a relationship with someone that I can see. I can have a relationship with someone that I can literally hear. And there are times, yes, where I even want to smell them and perhaps even touch them. And when it came to God, none of those were available to me. So what do I do? How do you be a lone maverick? How do you be the lone ranger? when you realize that the majority of people hold a certain view of God and you just can't get there. And then I realized something. I wasn't alone. When we look at the Bible, we find inside there that God is one who continually evolves and changes. A better way to say that is, as we read the Bible, we find in there how individuals' ideas about God evolve and change. I'll give you one, one powerful example of this. The ancients in the Near East, they believed that a deity was confined to a certain location. And God's location? It was a mountain. God's like hanging out on mountains. That's why when we read in Exodus that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they went out into the desert, and there was Mount Sinai. And what happens? God calls Moses up to the top of the mountain where God will reveal God's self to Moses. When God gets angry with the people because they build a golden calf, God tells Moses, look, just take the people and get out of here. And God says, and Moses says, no, 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 no. Not so quick. 
You brought us out here. You owe us. You come with us. And so the idea of God being limited to one location shifted, and now God traveled. God was no longer confined to the mountain. God now could travel in the ark. A piece of furniture that belonged in the tabernacle and later the temple, it was called the Ark of the Covenant. And when it moved, God went with them. They often went to battle. And what better way to know that God was with you than take the Ark of the Covenant with you? So God goes from being a God of the mountain to a God who travels, and then God eventually ends up in a temple. And God says that the temple, and especially the Ark of the Covenant, it's kind of his footstool. Where God puts his feet. But then the prophets came along, and they rethought this whole idea of God, and they realized that God was not limited to the temple. Instead, they believed that God was the God of all of Palestine, of all of that region. But again, notice that it's confined. Even though the territory where God resides is slowly expanding, it, at this point, it's still very local until the Babylonians came along and they took him captive. Well, what value is God if God's back here and you're over here? So what do you do? You change your idea about God. And God now is no longer limited to Palestine, but God is the God of the entire earth. And God resides on the earth, and God resides in the heavens. But when they talk about heavens, it's not the same idea that we have about heavens. For them, the heavens are a limited place up there. And then after the period of the biblical period, you move in God all of a sudden. Now he's not limited to the heavens. Now God is the God of the galaxy. But then we decided to send up satellites and telescopes into heaven. And we realized that there was more to this than to just our galaxy. And we talked about that, the idea of, is our God too small? Is this a God of all of the universe now? But you can see, you can trace it, how people's ideas about God were continually changing and evolving. Does it mean they were always right? You answered that. But as my ideas about God began to shift, and I was no longer parallel with what the majority of people believed, all of a sudden I realized that I really wasn't a maverick. I was following in the footsteps of those who had gone before me, who had also struggled with their understanding of God. And so philosophers and theologians, they've experimented with ideas. Deism, pantheism, panentheism, the, the, the isms continue. 
and each and every one of them tries to make sense about God. The challenge we face, however, is that we are somehow got it imprinted in our minds that we have to be right. You got to get it right. Consequences if you don't. I don't know if that's true anymore. Shifting my idea about God was really, really hard. My old way of seeing God gave me a great deal of comfort. Literally, when I prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, I felt warm inside. But when I could no longer say those words with the same meaning they used to have, it left me with a void. And it's so easy to talk about God as mystery. Uh, but I'm going to be very honest with you. I lost something. Maybe I never had it. But what I did realize is there are other people who have been where I am and who tried to understand God with the evidence that was before them and the world and the universe in which we live. And what I realized is I needed to go God shopping. Let me explain. I do not like to shop for clothes. It's too confusing. Too many options. Now, it helps tremendously when my wife goes with me. She will very quickly tell me yes, no. But there are times when I see something on the rack or on the shelves and it's go, oh, that's nice. Ooh, that, that is really nice. And I'll go into the fitting room and try it on. And there have been times when I stand before the mirror and it's like, ugh, it's not what I thought it was. It doesn't look right. Or it doesn't look good on me. And I realize that when it comes to God, maybe that's what we need to do. Now again, please, that we is qualified that with this idea that if you are comfortable with your view of God, go for it. If it's working in your life, keep it. But if you're looking for something, it's one thing to see it hanging on the rack and to read about it. It's a lot different when you take that and you actually put it on for yourself and see if it fits. So in September, I'm going to be looking at and sharing with you different ideas 
that people have come up with about God. I'm not telling you they're right or they're wrong. But I am offering you to come to the shopping rack and maybe try something on and see if it works for you. And that, my friends, is why churches and communities like Beatitudes are so important. Because there's a great deal of comfort in knowing that you don't have to be a maverick. You don't have to be the Lone Ranger. You can belong to a community as you make discoveries about who and how God works in your life. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.